1: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, once again, everybody. Good morning and welcome back to Immaculate Talk your daily companion podcast to the Immaculate Grid online trivia game with Joe Sheehan. I'm Craig Elston. It's August 23rd, 2023. And when I say good morning, um, that's aspirational. We're actually recording at the end of the morning on the East Coast <laughs> uh, for you West Coasters. Uh, You know, you're going to have a shot here. But uh, my apologies coming in a little late. But first day of school for my son, James, uh, seventh grade. So uh, there was a little hole assembly and all and all of the requisite pictures being taken uh and now it's back to the three by three and remembering some guys but joe today we're doing something different something you suggested after uh noting how 80 centric we had been of late
0: of late pretty much since the jump you know we tend to particularly <laughs> when we're looking for our sicko scores we tend to dig dig deep into our 70s and 80s and 90s memories of players and one of the things i said talked yesterday after the show and like what if we did an intentional modern baseball show? So went into today's grid, trying to focus on 21st century players, not necessarily current because I want to have, the highest possible score. And I think I went eight for nine finding modern players. I did have to dip into the eighties for one, for one guy, but uh, I was pretty happy with how it turned out today. But again, not going for the big sicko score, just looking to fill out the grid with modern or modern ish players. So we can talk about guys who, you know, weren't, uh, don't have distinct memories of the Brady Bunch.
1: Indeed. Yeah. The, the intention for somebody who has at least uh, dipped their toe in the 21st century. So exactly. we call it the 21st century man grid today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Rush, let's,
1: right? Exactly. Um, let's, which is a band from the 80s.
0: <laughs> well done. Yeah. One way or another, we're always going to find our way back there.
1: Let's go to the grid. Immaculate grid number 143 for August 23rd, 2023. We set the columns on the top from left to right. It's Boston Red Sox. It's Cincinnati. And it's a 200-plus strikeout season. The rows on the left side from top to bottom, we have Pittsburgh Pirates, Oakland Athletics, and the Atlanta Braves. And normally we'd be talking about the chance for Atlanta to be the Boston Braves or Oakland to be the Philadelphia Athletics. Not but this time. Not today. We're going 21st century man style. We start Pittsburgh and Boston. And, you know, you were thinking about what kind of trades and transactions, right, Joe, have happened between these two teams.
0: No, I was just trying to desperately remember a recent pirate who'd been a Red Sox. And I went with a kind of a, a failed prospect for the Red Sox, Michael Chavis, who uh, landed in. in Pittsburgh I don't think he's actually been up at all this year but he played some for them last year and uh kind of a <laughs> Bobby Dahlbeck light can I call him that?
1: <laughs> okay all right yeah one of the guys Boston's had a couple of these and then he's they've had a couple that have that have found really their way out. yeah
0: yeah I but, mean Tristan Cass is probably you know he's knocked both of them out you know they're they're Chavis is uh in Pittsburgh now and uh Dahlbeck I think has been playing at Pot- uh, Not Pot- what is it now Worcester all all season long. So Cass has kind of bunked him. But, yeah, Chavis, not much of a career. But, hey, 21st century player.
1: And that works. That's fine. His his sicko score will get better and better as the years go on. Uh, 7% uh, in our early grids uh, picked Michael Chavis. Uh, easy spot for a Swiss Army knife here for Rich Hill. Uh, and he was actually almost the number one pick with 22%. Uh, he would have also fit in the Boston-Oakland box today and those were the only two boxes he would fit in today but uh rich hill who's rounding out his career with his 13th and final team this year Uh, maybe (laughs) I, I, i bet who knows we'll see uh, maybe a 14th team will take a chance on Rich Hill. Uh, but, uh, the Padres aren't even taking a chance on him. there. They're backing him out of the rotation, uh, today, uh, when they're facing the Florida Marlins, Miami Marlins, uh, number one, speaking of former Padres, Jason Bay, uh, is in this box, uh, Jason Bay, Pittsburgh and Boston, 26%. Jason Bay, a pretty good player, not incredible. Always. I think expected to be a little more than he was, but with Pittsburgh, he was at his best.
0: He was. And then uh, I believe the Mets signed him and his career ended. So win go Mets,
1: <laughs> let's move on to the Pittsburgh Cincinnati box one over. Uh, and uh, okay. Am I right in saying that this was a recent transaction?
0: This was, and I've used this player a number of times. Robert Stevenson is currently wiping people out in the Rays uh, bullpen because that's what the Rays do, but came up as a prospect with the Reds bounced to, Uh, Colorado landed in Pittsburgh and just recently was traded to the Rays. So uh, Robert Stevenson under 1%, which wasn't honestly wasn't trying for a sicko score today. Stevenson's just somebody i pulled out a few times. It was this or Doug Baer who I've used for the Reds pirates box before.
1: 0.6 is excellent for Robert Stevenson. Uh, I went with pokey Reese here uh, (laughs) who absolutely played in the early part of the two thousands and started off in Cincinnati and went to Pittsburgh. I think no I
0: memory
1: that, of right. peak with Pokey Reese with the Pirates. Yeah. Pokey Reese went to Not, the Pirates. Well, yeah, one full year. Yeah. Uh, after Cincinnati. Uh, number one in here was Dave Parker, ineligible for our selection yeah. at 16%. Uh, this box we're going to just spend a tiny bit of time with. Pittsburgh, 200 strikeouts. Because first things first, let's just start it off by welcoming in Gene Rayburn. We have a super match as both Joe and I and the universe selected Garrett Cole for Pittsburgh, 200 strikeouts, 73% uh, of respondents uh, picked Garrett Cole, who was one of six options here, Joe. Uh, And when I clicked him, I kind of thought, wow, he might be the only person in the last 20 years who struck out 200 for Pittsburgh. How wrong I was. AJ Burnett. And Ali
0: Perez were both options for us in this box. And I, <clears throat> I forget Ali Perez, obviously became a left-handed reliever for a long time, but you forget he came up as a dominant starter for the pirates. And of course, AJ Burnett bounced around a lot, but you know, he had a big, the one big year at least one big year with the pirates. So that was after the Yankees traded him there. Um, so yeah, there were more 200 strikeout pirates than I would have guessed. Then of course you go back in time, you get to more.
1: You know, I, I feel like I should have remembered this because Oliver Perez came up with the Padres was one of the great looking young pitchers age 22 in 2002, 2003, he's traded with Jason Bay for Brian Giles um, and Xavier Nady, I believe was also in that trade for Brian Giles um, and his first year with the pirates, Oliver Perez struck out 239 batters. Like, and of course, then he became a, a, a bounce around uh, a reliever, but Wow, incredible. And uh, and the Culiacan kid uh, was Oliver Perez. That's what we called him when he came up uh, his, his first couple of years in San Diego. Francisco Liriano also struck out over 200 batters in 2015, uh, struck out 205. All right, but before we leave this box, we got to talk about Bob Veal. <laughs> Bob Veal is a player I did not know. He was a 1960s starter for the Pittsburgh Pirates who punched out over 200 batters Four different times in 1964, 65, 66, and 69. But I looked at these numbers, Joe, and it started to make my modern mind melt as we're doing the 21st (laughs) century man grid. Because in 1964, Bob Veal pitched 279 and two-thirds innings, gave up 222 hits, led the league with 124 walks, and struck out 250 batters. I mean, did he throw ten thousand pitches that year? Uh, 11, 1,161 batters faced.
0: Um, I'm going to guess he threw something along the lines of forty-eight hundred to five thousand pitches, which is a lot of pitches. Um, <laughs> it's it's just we don't let guys do this anymore. You know, you just you, you, the equivalent when we were up would have been like Bobby Witt getting to. You know, walk a hundred guys in his season. Guys just don't walk a hundred bat- batters in the season for the most part anymore. Veal led the league in walks four times in five years, and in the other one, he walked 102 batters. Just and mind you, this was an era when it was hard to walk this many guys. They expanded the strike zone in 1963, um, basically making it from like the eyeballs to the ankles. I mean, the, this is what we call a dead ball era too. And for Bob Veal to be pitching to a 1960 strike zone. And still be walking, uh, you know, 12%, 11%, 12% of hitters is just utterly insane. Actually, it wasn't quite that high. It was oh, doing live math on air. It was like 10, 10, 11% of hitters in a lot of years. I mean, to do that in that era was really hard. I mean, you had to really want it to be to, to walking this many batters.
1: The only guy who is anywhere remotely like this pitched yesterday for the Padres, Blake Snell, who mm-hmm. could lead the league in walks in ERA. Uh, this year and could walk a hundred batters this year, and he'll maybe get to a hundred fifty innings. Maybe. Well, that's
0: the way we use pitchers now. I, I, you know, I actually did the thing on Snell. Snell, I think, is going to end up with the high. I haven't checked to see the the updated numbers when I wrote about it two weeks ago. He was on pace to have the highest walk rate of the 21st century. Um, Dice Matsuzaka has it right now for one season, and Snell was on pace. He was like a, a full percentage point ahead of uh, ahead of Dice guy. But, again, the the percentage is higher than Bob Veal, just to give you the example we're using. But, again, Bob Veal threw 270, 280, 266, 268, 203, 245. I mean, we just don't use pitchers this way anymore. For better and for worse, we just don't use pitchers this way anymore.
1: Yeah. I I will continue to think that there is some way, if the human body could do it in 1965, the human body can do it in 2023, but not throwing 100. You know? and and yeah. That, that's not throwing a 100, not trying to, to throw a, a 2800 spin rate slider, like maybe, I don't know, for a different show. We move to the second row uh, and in this row, it's Oakland and we'll be interacting with three different things with Oakland. We begin with Oakland and Boston. Now, Joe, this is where I'm going to put in some decent low scores is in the first two boxes of the last two rows. Uh, you start with a World Series hero here.
0: Uh, yeah, Keith Folk, who I thought would actually have a much higher uh, rate, but you know, Folk was uh, closer with the A's and then uh, no, I have a backwards with the White Sox. and he went to the, the he was on the 2003, 2004 Red Sox and uh, eventually ended up with the A's.
1: Yeah, it was great. Pretty much every boy, he was a great strat card for a long time mm-hmm. as an ace closer would have like under 10 on base, both sides. Uh, Keith, Folk, I remember that one year he just had a, the number one drafted closer card. Uh each year i went with old friend mark kotze here uh kotze who started with florida came to san diego uh played in oakland played two seasons in boston uh was traded in one uh 0.6 percent for Cots in this box another center fielder finished much higher johnny damon was the number one pick for an a who was a red sock uh with 15 percent kotze uh,
0: always felt a little bit like a disappointment um you know he's a top 10 pick in the draft coming out of i believe fullerton Yep. And uh
1: just was supposed
0: to be the next this is right where we we're starting at prospectus I and mean, he was like one of the first prospects I really remember like getting excited about. It wasn't like he was bad. He just he never really hit for power. And you know, the type of player he was, he needed to hit for power. But you know, he had a uh, some double-double seasons. You go back to the, the turn of the century. Um twelve twelve homers, nineteen steals, ten homers, thirteen steals. He was a good player. He just never got over the hump. And yeah, he lasted a long time. I don't think I realized he played 17 years.
1: 21 war player. I mean, yep. you know, in, in the end, if you're picking in the top 10 and you pick a player who gets 20 war in his career, you didn't not just a good job. You did an incredible job. Um. So while you're right that Mark Kotze's career was always looked at as, as a modest disappointment, I think it was just due to unfair expectations. He was who he was, a yep. good outfielder who could hang around and was an incredible, and I can say this from personal experience, maybe the best like clubhouse guy. Um, and uh, calming, unifying presence. Just other the fact that he's a major league manager is the least shocking thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in yeah, the when world. he was
0: playing, that was that was certainly part of what he was going to be he was expecting to be a future manager. Hopefully, he eventually gets a baseball team to manage. <laughs> yeah,
1: fair. Uh, speaking of those beloved athletics, uh, the Paul Center Square, Oakland and Cincinnati. And you know, Joe, if this was max percentage Monday, I mean, you went number one hunting spectacularly. This is your second already.
0: Yeah, that's not going to be what I want to talk about, though. Sonny Gray was my pick, and he was also the most popular pick. Obviously, uh, uh, he's had a successful career with a number of teams. Now he's with the Twins, but uh, came up with the A's, traded to the Yankees, the Reds, now the Twins. Come to think of it, he's been traded three times. He, all of his moves have been non-voluntary, and you know, as opposed to be, go, becoming a free agent and signing somewhere. Just an interesting quirk.
1: Indeed. Uh, Center Square for me, uh, this this is a guy back when we were doing managers research uh, and I met researched uh, Seattle manager Scott Service. You know, it was back in the day that whenever you drafted Scott Service, people said, well, who? Because Mm -hmm. there was Scott Service and there was Scott Service uh, with S-E-R-V-I-C-E. And back at that time, I was like, well, let me look up Scott Service. And it turns out he's a pretty decent Swiss Army knife with nine different teams that he played for in his career, which stretched from 19. Actually, 1988 is when he came up as I open up his. uh, He must have had Tommy John uh, because he missed three years uh, and then pitched from 92 to 2004. Uh, But while he came up and or at least was mostly with Cincinnati, this was a true bounce around guy. uh, He did pitch for Oakland in the year 2000 and was a member of their bullpen uh, that year. So Scott service was my pick and he is the official sicko score of the day at 0.03%. Give,
0: give me any of your memories of Scott service with the A's. Give me, give me one,
1: give me a uniform number. Oh, no chance, man. No I don't chance know how all. you
0: remember Scott service no. pitching for the A's
1: very simply because That's it was part of my research of Scott's surveys. And now he's on my crib sheet. Uh, Yeah. And that's it. So I've, these are, there's a couple of guys i have been like hopeful to use that I've never been able to use. This is the first time I've been able to use Scott. You're looking
0: at the wrong Scott service. Right. (sighs) You're a nerd. Yes. I I did. I did a podcast for five years with a person I thought was the biggest nerd I was ever going to meet. And now I'm doing one with somebody who's even bigger nerd.
1: Look, if I can GTO the immaculate grid in any way possible. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) All right. On to an A's 200 strikeout pitcher. And I'm going to tell, I'll I'll just tell the story of this. I wound up with the number one answer here, shockingly. Um, But I thought I was going to brick when I typed this name in because I was like 21st century A's Who could have done it? Answer is many more than I would have thought of, um, including Frankie Montas two years ago. Yeah,
0: that one surprised me.
1: (laughs) Um, But I was like Hudson, Mulder, Zito, Hudson, Mulder, Zito. No way did Hudson ever strike out 200 batters in a season. I'm like Mulder. No, no, he never struck out 200 batters in the season. The only shot I've got is Barry Zito. And I typed in Barry Zito and he did it once. He struck at 205 batters. Uh his his first big year.
0: I got to the point of typing in Z, and then was just like, you know, strikeout rates were so low, and he wasn't none of these guys were big strikeout guys. And this was the one place where I tapped out of the 21st century and just went to defaulted to Dave tool.
1: Who obviously got the job done. Um and and on today's grid for Dave Stewart. But yeah, I mean, it was a it was a swing, uh, to be sure. And it was a swing that I I didn't necessarily have to make Uh, the more savvy A's fan uh, would have picked Frankie Montas. But that's actually the only other guy in the 21st century. You have to go to Todd Stottlemyre before that.
0: You're back to the whole thing where, like, okay, so in the the best pitchers in the 70s and 80s, we don't want to use because, oh, the strikeout rate. Remember, I got stuck on Dave Steve once, um, who right. never actually got to 200 strikeouts. But, and then you remember, like, even mediocre pitchers in the 21st century can have one good year. You know, we talked about Burnett earlier and Ali Perez and, you know, Frankie Montas. Frankie Montas is not somebody who's going to stick in our heads as a 200 strikeout guy, but he had the one healthy year in Oakland and got the 207 or whatever it was. And that's, it's it's such a different like if you're looking for strikeouts you really you need to look for you know guys in the dead ball era through 600 innings or Mm -hmm. you need to look for like anybody who pitched in the last five years it's just strikeouts are a weird category
1: they very much are and for the grid there's a lot of strategy involved in which areas you try to poke through Mm -hmm. Uh, all right to the final row we go involving atlanta and we'll start with a brave that was a Red Sox. And uh, Joe, straight to the man in the ninth. This should have been Max Percentage
0: Wednesday. Craig Kimbrell. Um, I've been surprised at how well he's pitched this year, to be honest with you. I thought he was completely done. He's been reasonably effective as the Phillies closer. But, man, in Atlanta, you know, since then we've had Chapman, we've had Hader, we've got Felix Bautista now. But for a brief period of time that Craig Kimbrell was the most dominant inning-for-inning inning pitcher in baseball history.
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely. And and it's just been something about his career that the the very ends of seasons haven't gotten along mm-hmm. with Craig Kimbrell, and I think it's it's had a, a especially his his Cubs stint when they didn't want to give him the ball that there there's been a couple of Dodgers didn't want to give him the ball. Um there's been a couple of of moments in Craig Kimbrell's career that I think have diminished his overall sheen compared to some Hall of Fame closers but you you couldn't be more right from a strikeout percentage from a just you can't possibly touch him percentage. Kimbrel's one of the 21st century's best.
0: Well, we mentioned one Red Sox championship team earlier in the context of Folk. If you go to the 2018 team, he nearly blew a game in the division series to the Yankees. And after that, Alex Cora started using starters. I want to say Purcelli came out of the bullpen. The World Series was closed out by Chris Sale. Like, Cora stopped using Kimbrel in leverage in that postseason, in part because of how poorly he was pitching. So, you're right. Ends of seasons haven't really worked out for him. He may get another chance this year. I'll be honest with you, though. If I'm a Phillies fan, I I don't think he's the best reliever in that bullpen. Uh, I think Jose Alvarado, who just came off the aisle yesterday, is better. I think Sir Anthony Dominguez is better. And I'd be sweating every time Kimbrell was protecting a one-run lead in the night.
1: Me three uh i don't trust him i've never trusted him um he blew a C- save for team usa in the olympics <laughs> i always remembered that like in a huge like silver medal match in the olympics he he, he blew the save huh. um and, and I, i've just always had that feeling that craig kimbrell and the big save uh don't get along um for me uh this is where our managers att- we never got our managers grid off but the research paid off it's uh, a good one yeah for a second time today uh, with David Ross, uh, current Cubs manager, who uh, is actually, when you type him in, he pops up as an Atlanta Brave, uh, but played for Boston as well as the Padres, the Cubs, and and several other teams. David Ross, a pretty good Swiss Army knife in Immaculate Grid.
0: Yeah, he played for a lot of teams. I, I That's actually a great. That's, that's going to be somebody I think is going to come up again.
1: Agreed. Atlanta and Cincinnati, uh, and we both managed to go modern here. Joe, I hit number one. With Adam Duvall, 18% uh, for the semi-well-traveled, now uh, power-hitting outfielder. Adam Duvall just doesn't get on base very much, but he can man all three outfield positions, strong arm, a lot of pop.
0: Yeah, it was surprisingly good defensively. Actually, uh, his defensive numbers, even as he ended his 30s and now he's 34, actually held up really well. So uh, an underrated player, part of that two thousand. When the Braves in 2021 just were desperate for outfielders and traded for a bunch of them, Duvall was one of the guys they picked up in that process, and he went on to, to win a ring with them. Now he's with the uh, with the Red Sox. I, I I literally think this guy was on my brain because I watched him close out the game last night, Ryzel Iglesias, who came up with the Reds as a starter, became a closer, signed with the Angels, and is now closing out games for the uh, the Braves.
1: Great pull there for Ryzel Iglesias, um, who could be, at the end of the year with the ball in his hand. And we might find out how he and end of season saves get along uh, as this year progresses into October. Let's wrap up with a brave that has struck out 200 and actually plenty of options here, uh, even in the 21st century. And we both found one easy. I think you found the easiest one.
0: Genuinely surprised that the number here was this low, but uh, Spencer Strider who struck out the 200 battered batters the last two years, um, was my pick here. Uh, just fantastic power arm. Um, good chance it's going to win the NL Cy Young Award this year. Although Zach Gallon's making a push and some other guys as well, but i uh, really a fun pitcher to watch. Um, but I gotta be honest with you, your guy, I did not remember uh, striking out 200. It's a great, it's a good poll.
1: Oh, wow. Well, yeah, let's talk just for a second about Charlie Morton because uh, 3% in this box for Morton, but he reinvented his entire career when he went to Houston you know, in his mid 30s, and he went from being a sinker ball pitcher, which is mm-hmm. what he was with Pittsburgh, an ineffective righties, you know, only good against righties sinker ball pitcher to his fastball sweeper combination. One of the first guys who was really a sweeper slider, you know, steady sweeper slider pitcher that he could tunnel those pitches off one another. And he, completely reinvented himself. Then he went to the Tampa Bay pitching factory, did it again. And now he's a guy who I think is punched out 200, like five times in his mid to late thirties. Well, four straight real seasons, two hundred one, two forty,
0: 240, 216, two Oh five. And I'm skipping over 2020 when I list those uh, for obvious reasons. And he might get there this year. He needs 54 over his last, like seven starts to get there, which is possible. So yeah, I did not, I know I knew Uncle Charlie and you know, he, he said at one point, you know, all he did was like he kind of got to I think that he used to use it. It's like, what if I just throw harder? Like he did. It hadn't occurred to him. You know, we talked about, you know, guys, the way they pitch nowadays. And Charlie Morton hadn't really gone into that max effort mode, you know, pretty much since doing that. I did not four 200 strikeout seasons. I did not realize he'd been over the number that many times. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah he's and, uh, he's a punch out guy.
0: Kind of look at the organizations, too. It's like he went to Houston, then, then the Rays, then the Braves. It's like smart organizations are looking at Charlie Morton and going, yeah, we want you.
1: Yeah, right now, Houston, L.A., uh, one and two, uh, probably L.A., Houston, in terms of if you want to go to an organization and have them put you in their computer and spit out, here's the thing you need to do to make yourself to war better next year. Uh, those are the two. And I'd say Tampa, they don't bring in new players often, but when they do, they usually do the same thing. You know, they'll, yeah, they'll bring I, someone in and say, just do this. And then they get a lot better.
0: Yeah. I think the raise, I would put the raise above anybody as far as that's concerned. You look at you know, bring in Rasmussen, Jeffrey Springs from the Red Sox uh, uh, this year, Aaron Savali, they just picked up. I mentioned Robert Stevenson. We had him on the grid earlier. This is, this is the raise thing. They're going to find, they're just going to find your pitcher and make him better you look at even you know they got Glaznow you was a good pitcher with the Pirates, and granted they haven't been able to keep him healthy, but he became a superstar with the Rays. So yeah, I'm the separation right now between the the top pitching organizations. You mentioned the Dodgers and, and Astros, the the, uh, the Rays, the Guardians when it comes to developing their own guys, the Yankees when it comes to relievers. There's a real separation with those five franchises right now. I think everybody's chasing them. I know it has to be a focus on payroll and money and things like that, but you know it's skills development. In fact, there was the Mets are now trying to start a pitching lab themselves and yeah. we'll see if they can get that off the ground. Cause obviously now if you combine the ability to make pitchers better with the resources that Cohen brings to bear, I mean, that's the, that's the formula, but yeah, that's what the Mets really haven't had the last couple of years. is homegrown, home developed, home improved pitching.
1: Absolutely. Well, with that, we complete our 21st century man grid. And I think we uh, did a lot better than we tried to do the all active players grid, at least giving us a little bit of pad uh, made this a, a much more viable uh, endeavor.
0: Well, from a conversation standpoint, too, it gives us a different it gives us a, a, an opportunity to talk about the modern game. Not that the grid's supposed to be about that. But, you know, we get to talk a little bit about you know what the Rays do with pitching and, and what the Phillies are doing at the back of the bullpen. I, I think we should. I think it's It's going to work. I'm uh, eager to hear from the, the, the listener, listenership about what they thought, but I think it gives us an opportunity to talk about different topics, which is always a good thing.
1: Ah, beautiful. Variety is the spice of grid. And with that, we'll wrap up Immaculate Talk for this Wednesday. Thanks for being with us. Please leave us that five-star review, uh, if you can, on Apple Podcasts. Written review as well. Helps get more people to the show. Share the show on your social media feeds uh, or to your friends that you trade grids with uh, whether it's on your discord channel your slack channel or just in your group text chat Uh, we'd appreciate having new ears reach us as joe and i get back together again tomorrow to try and get the lowest score uh, and work things through but this was a lot of fun joe and tell everyone where they can find your newsletter
0: uh check it out there i uh, just cover the game Doing uh, the newsletter for 14 years thousands of subscribers i hope you'll be the next one if you like the grid i think you'll like the newsletter
1: all right and for me uh, i'm gonna go pick up my kid after a minimum day in a couple of hours and not go to the padres game because mm. i literally can't even give these tickets away anymore <laughs> <laughs> so, so it is in america's finest city until tomorrow morning for joe and i'm craig elston hoping the rest of your day is immaculate